Welcome to Homegirl Nation, where the podcast with the goal of making it easier to talk about tough things when it comes to the nitty gritties of womanhood. I'm your host, Bridget Trong. Can we make it easier to talk about periods? Honestly, not just behind closed doors when we're on day one, leaking through a fresh pair of panties and ruining a light pair of those go-to denim shorts that just have the right amount of wear and wash and then complaining about it to our girlfriend with a voice note. Yeah, that needs to stop happening altogether. Seriously, I'm 34, but enough about me and my heavy, heavy flow, because today we have Kira and Nadia. They're two of four founders of the Canadian and female-founded Marlowe, the innovative tampon and lubricant company that's changing the way individuals pay attention to their menstrual cycles. Oh, by the way, they started this business in college. I can't wait for you to hear this discussion because Kira and Nadia remind us how important it is to be passionate about an existing problem if we want to create a solution that sticks. Moreover, to embrace our flow. Let's meet Marlo. When I think about your origin story, I can't help but wonder, what do four young women in college know about disrupting an industry that has literally seen the same players for decades? It's wildly impressive, ladies. Take us back to the genesis of this period party. Yes, I love telling this story because it's actually a funny story. The four of us met in the first year of university. So we've known each other for quite a long time now. And as you mentioned, it started in university in actually a course. So we we're taking an entrepreneurship course, one of our capstone projects. And we were told to try and find a problem that we were passionate about solving. And so we were having a conversation just as friends. And we'd brought up a number of different industries. We we're all passionate about sustainability and health and wellness. And I remember bringing up the menstrual health space and everyone being like, why would we even consider that space? It seems, you know, we're just on autopilot. We just go do, it doesn't really affect us. And I said, well, that's exactly the problem. We're just on autopilot. We go into the store, we pick up whatever it is we've picked up for years and there's been no innovation for decades. And so that kind of sent us into a spiral of different questions, thinking about the branding, thinking about the products we use. And it was then when one of our co-founders shared that she has a lot of pain when inserting a tampon. And she grew up doing competitive swimming, playing so many sports. And she always found that the pain she has inserting a tampon really limited her in her daily life. And so she had gone to the gynecologist to try to find a solution. And the gynecologist told her to spit on her tampon. Ooh, and that's not we comfortable. <laughs> definitely not. And yeah. we remember hearing that story and just being shocked and thought there must be some kind of better way to solve this problem. And that's what inspired us to create the first ever lubricated tampon. But it's grown into so much more than that. But I think it was just that original conversation and hearing the story of some of our co-founders and learning that thousands and thousands of people had experienced similar problems that we just grew so passionate about trying to tackle this. Dryness is a real struggle for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. So you would think that a lot of these big corporations who've been around for a long time, surely they've known about it. Definitely. I think they have known about it, but because there's been so many large players in the space for so long, I think they've just never really had the incentive to need or want to innovate. So, you know, they've had a monopoly for so many years. The products that they're selling, people are still going to buy them because it's a necessity product. And they weren't really incentivized to produce a new product that would potentially even cannibalize some of their own sales. And so I think it's now with some of these newer players that are entering and saying, okay, wait, no, we need to change some things around this. These pro products aren't perfect, that now they're finally starting to see that, okay, maybe there is some room for innovation in the space as well. 
Kira, when you all started executing this idea as a school project, at what point did you know that it had the potential to become a viable business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a big part of it was seeing the impact for us. So even being able to send out, you know, a trial version of the product before we had the finalized manufactured product and sending that out to people and getting their feedback and seeing their thoughts, Um, just being able to see how much impact it had on people who maybe weren't able to use tampons comfortably for their entire lives are able to use this product and the impact it can have on their lifestyle, you know, being able to swim now, being able to participate in different activities and, you know, lead a certain lifestyle that sometimes pads can't allow you to have. So that was a really big piece of it for us. And then also just making sure we were looking at it problem first. So we're not really thinking about, okay, what's a product we can sell? We're really focused on talking to our community about what are the issues you're experiencing and how can we solve that or alleviate your pain. So, you know, uh, lubricated tampon is just one thing we can do to kind of make the experience of menstruators a little bit better and mm-hmm. more pain-free. But there's so many things out there you can tackle when it comes to people's experiences with their menstrual cycle. So just making sure we're speaking to our community and hearing from as many people as possible really helped us understand, okay, this is a real issue. This is something we can help out with and we have a great solution to help people. What does it actually mean if we are dry? Have we uncovered that? (laughs) Yeah. So there are so many different reasons, first of all, that you could experience vaginal dryness and it really depends from person to person. So some causes could be, for example, hormonal imbalance. And this could come from something like post-childbirth, post-chemotherapy for certain cancer treatments. This can be very common. It can be a result of smoking, or it could just naturally be what your body is like. You could just naturally have more vaginal dryness. It could be a result of a light flow. Um, So if your period is light, and this can be because of, you know, birth control. Uh, If you exercise a lot, sometimes you tend to have a lighter flow. There's also times where you're using a tampon and maybe you have a heavier flow, but you just went to the bathroom and wiped. And so there's just not a lot of blood there when you're trying to insert a tampon. So there's Mm. kind of so many different reasons why people might experience dryness and to different degrees throughout their lives. So I think just understanding that and why your body, um, you know, is the way it is and that it is totally normal most of the time is really important, but that's kind of some of the main causes of dryness that people might see. What about color, consistency, and odor, those elements that come into play during our menstrual periods? Yeah, it can be very helpful to to just understand what's what different colors, for example, different colors of blood during your cycle mean. Um, so, for example, most of the time we're used to seeing kind of blue blood in ads, like the, that blue liquid when we see period ads. And most people... I'm like, my period does not look like Listerine. Come on. Exactly. What is exactly. that? it does not look like that. You know, you have your own cycle and you see like maybe brown blood and then you're wondering what's, is this normal? What's going on? So even just understanding that, you know, you can have bright colored blood, dark blood, brown blood, um, that whole variety. It just means it's the blood is oxidized and it's slightly older, which is perfectly normal, but it's just helpful to understand that and know that that's okay. But there are a few cases um, with period blood. So for example, if it's gray or if it's orange, it can be associated with bacterial vaginosis. 
Um, so I'd say anytime it's outside of that realm of red light to dark, red to brown, um, is when you should probably speak to a doctor and just get it checked out to be safe. But it's helpful to understand kind of the realm of what's normal and what's not. Why is this different from a lubrication that I can find in any store? Is there something that needs to be slightly changed in its ingredients in order to feel comfortable down there in our feminine spots? Or Yeah, so there are a few different pieces as to why this lubricant is different. One of them being if you were to go to a grocery store or drug mart right now and you look at the lubricant in the aisle, most of it is advertised for sexual use. Mm-hmm. And so there's that stigma in the first place of you know, being able to overcome that to even access the product in the first place, which prevents a lot of people from buying lubricant. Secondly, also just not even considering its use with tampons because it's not really advertised that way. And then if you do think of it and you buy the product to be able to use it with tampons, having a, most of it comes in a squeeze tube. So doing that in the bathroom, squeezing it onto the tampon, wiping it around would turn into a very messy arts and crafts process. <laughs> So when we when we were doing our first trial of like how the product should be designed, that's something we really realized was, you know, if you don't have a bottle specifically designed for this, it kind of turns into arts and crafts, which is besides the point of comfort on your period. Uh-huh. So the bottle is designed so that you just take your tampon, you dip it in once, it's perfectly coated. There's the valve that scrapes off any excess. So you're not, it's also not dripping anywhere. It's just the right amount to be mm-hmm. able to insert it smoothly. And so you can throw it in your purse. It's travel friendly. It's really adding that factor of ease and comfort. And then when it comes to the ingredients as well, we have kind of a whole page about this on our website that explains every single ingredient we chose not to include and what we did choose to include, but it's a water-based lubricant. It's free of any major irritants. It doesn't have fragrance um, or anything like that. So we also really prioritized a ingredient list that wasn't going to irritate anyone that was going to be as clean as possible. Um, So both the bottle design and the lubricant itself and a bit of the changing the stigma around using the product as well with that. And it's light, like the viscosity of it. It doesn't feel like you've used it or need to wipe off and you feel a little dirty or icky afterwards. I really like how thin it is. So I appreciate a solid origin story because in origin stories, we find that oftentimes maybe our dreams and our goals are a little too ambitious because we've never done it before. But in sharing yours, it kind of gives us inspiration to say, we can possibly do that too. We can find a gap in the market and fulfill it with our friends or on our own. Creating something like this, did you work with Health Canada or how do you even come up with a recipe that works for our bodies without that scientific background, without that PhD, without that medical history? How do you go about tackling a product that you don't have all of that knowledge base on? For sure. Yeah, it was definitely a process and likely one of the challenges we faced during the business as well. We did have a number of medical advisors who we collaborated with closely. So we have some gynecologists on our team and pelvic physiotherapists. They reviewed the ingredient list. They helped us in designing this product. And we also partnered with the research lab. So as you mentioned, we did have to get the product approved by Health Canada and the FDA in order to be able to sell this product. And so we worked with that research lab to conduct a number of studies and tests to make sure that this product is safe 
safe and that it could be used for these purposes. And so um, the product is a class two medical device, which a lot of people are surprised to learn, which could sound scary, but essentially is the same as a condom or rubber gloves, other things that you're putting into your body. And so we definitely made sure that safety and getting this approval was something we prioritized right from the start. And you pretty much went to market during COVID, right? That's correct. <laughs> that, I mean, that is amazing. That is admirable because as we know, there were a lot of challenges there. How did you go to market and market su- successfully? Was it social media? Was it influencer marketing? How did you get the word out there? Yeah. So we started working on this right after we graduated, which was right around the start of COVID. And for the first year, we were just doing R&D, getting our licensing, doing the testing, all of that finalizing our manufacturer behind the scenes. So for at least a year, we just had time to grow our community and focus on our mission and the impact we wanted to make. And we really have taken an impact and community-driven approach to our our marketing because at the end of the day, what drives us is our mission to really transform how we all experience menstrual health and sexual health and I think community is kind of necessary to do that because it's really important that we're able to spark some really important conversation with the people around us that we're able to connect and understand, you know, where everyone is on their journey of understanding their bodies, what information they want to know, what feedback they have. Um, So that's a really big part of breaking down the stigma. So we just started online with social media with Instagram, TikTok's been really huge for us. Um, growth and reach is really amazing on there. We also have a blog on our website that we post to every week, a whole variety of topics about menstrual and sexual health. We have um, we've partnered with university campuses to host events uh, like seminars on menstrual or sexual health, even on entrepreneurship as a female founder. And so really anything we can do that's community-based or especially digitally native community-based initiatives is what we've really relied on being able to reach people kind of anywhere across the world and and create a genuine connection with them. So was everything from a grassroots level or did you have some kind of investment or a budget to work with? We did raise some capital as well. So last year we were successful in raising half a million dollars for our pre-seed round with a number of angel investors. Um, We did take that grassroots approach because we wanted to be able to test and learn different strategies before putting budget behind it. And so now that we've kind of tested different strategies, we've been learning what resonates with our community. Now we're starting to put more budgets behind everything that we're doing. And it's just so exciting to see how that's continuing to grow and scale the business. I think as Kara mentioned on TikTok, it's so powerful to see the organic reach you can get on some of these platforms, but also now starting to put some paid budget behind some of these initiatives as well. I want to go back to the community aspect of what you do. I love Mar Lowdown. That's so clever. I mean, that just sticks, right? And it makes you feel like, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into and like what the goods are. So having this community, you're getting the feedback. And as you said, everyone experiences their menstrual cycles differently. We deal with different challenges. What has been like a key feedback that's kind of helped your growth? Is there one kind of element that we all face and continue to face as women in our period? that you're noticing more and more? I think a major one is just lack of education. Um, Growing up, I think especially for our generation and generations before us, sex education in school was very, very minimal. Um, Not a thing. I think it was like fourth and fifth grade. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like you get your period, here's a pad, and that's it. Exactly, exactly. And you, yeah, that's usually the experience for most people. You get it the first time, 
you're scared, you don't really know what's going on, you just get past some product and you kind of figure it out yourself. You maybe get some assistance from a parent or a friend, but there's also a lot of luck that goes in there to um, how involved they are in teaching you about your period as well. So I think just like a common experience for most people we speak to is they grow up, you know, not knowing much about their bodies, about their cycles. Because of that, it perpetuates a lot of shame. It leads to huge delay and even like diagnosing different conditions because you don't understand what's normal and what's not normal. Um, so I think that that really common piece of just lack of education, that's a big part of our mission too, is kind of changing that and changing essentially the talk for the next generation and making that more comfortable and normalized. So that's been a really big trend we've seen with everyone. Um, so we're really excited to kind of see that narrative shift over time. What have you learned about your own periods? Are you all period out at this point? Or are you still very much tapped into what's going on? I think one thing that's super interesting is just the overall like mindful approach to our menstrual and sexual health. And um, it was kind of a term coined by Pinterest around mindful menstruation and how this is a really big trend to watch in the next year. They're talking about how many millennial and Gen Z consumers, they prioritize their physical wellness, mental wellness, um, financial wellness, spiritual wellness. It's, it's so holistic. And now the newest trend is kind of taking a mindful approach to menstrual and sexual wellness. And there's this huge boom of companies um, Sephora actually just launched their own sexual wellness category. And so people are starting to see this as a normalized part of your overall routine. It's not just something that should be put on the back burner. It's it's so key to your overall health. And so I think that's something that I personally have started to do is, you know, reflect on what kinds of things do I do to prioritize my menstrual health? Um, am I more patient with myself if I can't do my exercise routine the way that I normally do? If I have different cravings, how can I be mindful of that? Are there different parts of my body that's hurting or what? what is it that I need? So I think instead of just saying, okay, it's another week of the month, whatever, let's just go on autopilot, taking that mindful approach to thinking, okay, what do I need? How can I spark some of these conversations with my friends and know that um, it's okay to feel different things at different times in your cycle? So I don't know if you heard this, but Spain is recognizing how debilitating painful menstrual cramps can be and are. I can personally relate because when I have my period, I'm usually bedridden for the first day and a half. It's not fun. But they're offering women up to three days of paid leave from work every single month. I think it's extraordinary. What do you guys think of that? I think that would be awesome. I think there's so many you know, reasons why people might just want to break on their period, whether it's for cramps or they're, you know, maybe they can't be thinking with as clear of a head as they normally do. Um, I think working from home has kind of been a good benefit in that way is that you can maybe have some of the comforts of your home while on your period. So I think that's kind of started to progress, but mm -hmm. I, I definitely think there's a lot more work to be done and it would be great to see something like that introduced in Canada as well. I know Diva Cup introduced that for all their employees. So maybe starting to see more companies employ that as well. I feel like you ladies have a bit more pull on this front than I do. So if you can champion this, <laughs> if you need any petition signed, I'm here for it. But if you want to take the lead on it, I think we'd probably get there a lot faster. No pressure, though. <laughs> what has been the biggest lesson for you all in starting a business from home, from scratch? I think whenever I get asked this question, it's so hard because there's so many different things I can answer. But one that stands out is definitely the ambiguity that you face in entrepreneurship. And I think that's something that we were expecting, but maybe not 
as much as we face every day. So I think, you know, we, all of us worked different jobs before starting Marlowe. And in those jobs, it's nice that, you know, sometimes you have a manager you can turn to and you have other leaders in the organization that if you're stuck, there's resources you can pull from. They're kind of setting your day, setting your tasks for you, being there to support you. There's some kind of level of initiative that you can take, but for the most part, you have a lot of support behind you. Whereas in entrepreneurship, that is definitely not the case at all. We are the ones defining our own days. We have to make all these decisions. We're accountable to every single thing that happens. And a lot of times that means there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be lessons that are learned, but it's then about, okay, how do we pivot and learn accordingly? How can we make decisions quickly and then just see what happens and learn from it? So I think that was one challenge for sure, just getting used to all the decisions and accountability that you face every single day. But it's also kind of the exciting part about entrepreneurship. You're building something that's your own, that's completely up to you, how you want to define it. And so, although there's a lot of stress and pressure that comes with that. There's a lot of excitement seeing something that you want in the world being built and being created the exact way you want it to be. It's so gratifying to see your IP come to fruition on your own terms, isn't it? Did you have a surprise challenge come up that forced you to problem solve quickly on your feet? Go ahead, Kara. Okay. I was going to say one that I can think of is our launch date. I Looking back, so we launched around January of this year And we had in our minds, you know, when this was first just an idea in our heads that it was going to be, you know, months and months earlier. And a big part of that was just not even understanding how many things can come up in in business and how many unexpected things constantly arise and how the timelines you have in your head aren't always, well, usually isn't how it plays out in real life. So, you know, even waiting for our Health Canada licenses at a time during COVID when things are very backlogged and their their yeah. priorities are with anything to do with COVID. So now na- and being new to the whole system and navigating that in the timelines was just something completely new to us and dealing with almost the mentality around letting go of some of that restraint on, no, we have to launch this day. That means success and understanding it doesn't really matter to a certain extent. It just matter matters that, you know, do what you can well, push forward and understand that like when the time, when it's time, it's time. Um, but that was a big challenge, even mentally, just constantly being like, okay, we're going to launch next week. Okay. We can't launch yet. <laughs> and having those things come up, it was definitely a, a mental challenge. That was definitely going to be the one I mentioned too, just navigating through Health Canada when they're so focused on pandemic relief and, you know, things taking months when they're supposed to take weeks. It was definitely a a big learning curve. So at this point, what is next for Marlowe? Yes, there's lots of exciting things in the works. So um, because we just brought the product to market in January, we're really focused on driving brand awareness, speaking to as many people as possible. Um, There's new press pieces coming out, podcasts like this one that we're so excited to kind of continue to work on different new marketing campaigns and continuing to spread the word and further our educational mission. Um, We have a campus ambassador program launching. Um, If you're interested in learning more, anyone, feel free to reach out to us. And then we also have some geographic expansions that are happening. So stay tuned for that right now. available in Canada and the US, but that's going to continue to expand soon, as well as some new products in the pipeline. So we'll kind of keep that a little bit of a secret, but definitely if you're interested in learning more, stay tuned to our email newsletters and our website as we start to roll out some of those new exciting products as well. Whoa. Okay. Tons to look forward to. In the meantime, where can we find your product? It's not available at our local drugstore, right? 
No, right now it's only available online. So if you're in Canada or the US, we ship to all areas of that. So um, our website is wearemarlow.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram or TikTok as well, LinkedIn even, um, but that's where the products are available. And they're also available on a subscription. So if you know, you're one of those people like me who you always forget to buy tampons right before you get your period, this is a perfect thing. You sign up to the subscription, it automatically comes every single month. And so you're not running to the drugstore at the last second. So I think that's a really convenient option as well if you're interested. Excellent. I'm on that subscription right now and she is handy. So thanks for making that happen. But there is a slight difference in cost between drugstore tampons and Marlowe tampons. So what do you have to say to those who may not want to pay more for something they've been using for years? I think first of all, as a consumer, just emphasizing the product that's best for you is the one that best fits your needs. So if, you know, a low price point is your number one priority, understanding that, you know, that it picking the right product for you may look different from someone else Mm -hmm. uh, versus, you know, if your priorities are convenience and you're willing to pay more of a premium for that, just understanding what needs your products need to meet. And then also just as a small business, to try to offer as competitive pricing as we can, especially um, we try to offer kind of discounts or deals where we can, especially, you know, if you subscribe, we can take off the shipping costs, things like that. So trying to reduce the cost for the customer at every point where we can manage to. But beyond that, yeah, I would just say you're paying for, you know, the convenience, you are paying for the, the product ingredients too and the sustainability pieces. And then hopefully as we grow over time, we can just keep providing competitive pricing as well. The lube as well. Yeah, I know if you're about to go to shoppers and purchase lubricant or purchase that online, that's also an additional cost of usually 10 to $12. So I think just keeping that in mind that you get the lubricant with your order um, in addition to the tampons. So that kind of adds to the price point of having that entire comfortable solution. Excellent. Now I end all my podcast episodes with a question regarding to music because we love music here. If you could pick a song that sums up the rest of 2022, what would it be? Personally, one that came to mind for me and also because it's stuck, been stuck in my head lately, um, but About Damn Time by Lizzo. Yes! <laughs> that one's just <laughs> so empowering. It's like perfectly <laughs> sums up like it is this type of change is long overdue. These types of products are long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having some of that excitement and sass around it and fun with, with the changes coming up, I think we're really excited. Um, and I think for me, I would say maybe imagine, I think over the last year, we've just been having so many exciting brainstorms about what we want to see, what we think the ideal brand to have in this space could be. So continuing to push the boundaries of what has been kind of, we've been socialized to put up with in terms of our menstrual health and just taking all of that and throwing it out the window and dreaming and, and thinking of everything that should be in this space and how we can then bring it into our brand and what we're building here at Marlowe. So I think just imagining the, the possibilities and hoping that one day, you know, people who are our kids or generations below us come into this space and, and don't have any stigma around their menstrual health. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for doing what you do. I can't wait to continue being a part of your community and just seeing how the new products, the current products shift the way we feel about our menstrual cycles and how we talk about them. Let's own it. It's about damn time. (laughs) Thanks so much for having us as well. It's been incredible to speak with you. Well, that was a bloody good time. Bloody, get it? 
Listen, you didn't come in for the joke, so that's the best we can do for now. My biggest takeaway from Kira and Nadia, though, have a mindful approach to your overall routine that reflects your overall health. So those cravings, energy levels, pain points. If you're interested in learning more about your cycle and your body, I do encourage you to tap into wellness communities like Marlo for more information and, of course, connection. At We Are Marlo is their handle. Thank you so much for dropping by for this homegirl discussion. You know the door is always open. 